Yes, this is real music. Dark, brooding, important, groundbreaking. Check out the lyrics. Darkness. No parents. Continue darkness. More darkness. Get it? The opposite of light. Black hole. Get it? That's just the first verse. Darkness. No parents. Super rich. Kinda makes it better. Welcome to Trilogy in Theory. My name is Webb, and this is my co-host, Mike. And we are straying from our pattern for the first time on this podcast and talking about a new release. And I feel like this is pretty much you acquiescing to my... Catering. (laughs) Mm -hmm. To my absolute love of the character, the Batman, who has been featured in film since, I want to say, the 40s? Like those old... uh, uh, serials like the the black and white the super racist stuff all the way to the entertaining 60s and then eventual uh increasingly darker and grittier uh since since burton all the way to now the most gritty and grimy film of them all um my anticipation and my excitement for these movies always more exciting like that journey to the film is always more exciting than the film itself it just is because no film can really live up to the magic that's in your head. And I feel like that's why a lot of Star Wars fans backlash at all the crap that they've had to, you know, endure that's in their diseased minds. So thankfully, I'm a much... I was like, their lives are what they've had to endure. <laughs> and someone just tries to give them a fun two and a half hours and they freak the fuck out. Uh, I hope we're not going to do that for the Batman. Cause no. It's, it's uh, an oppressive and punishing three hours plus certainly this this new adventure with the film i think that this film was great it was enjoyable there's stuff i like about it there's stuff i didn't like about it Um, i'm looking forward to whatever they decide to do next um but i want to talk about one bullshit argument that seems to happen every time one of these movies and by these movies i just mean like i guess a comic book character or any time that you've got uh, a different iteration or a different actor stepping into the fold. Uh, even 
maybe characters like Bond, where some people are like, well, this is a good movie, but it's not a good Batman movie. Or this is not just a good Batman movie, but it's a great movie. I think it's such a horseshit argument because we never talk about things like, well, this isn't just a good horror movie. It's a good movie. It's it's akin to something like that to me. Like, I understand that there are certain... I guess caveats are like, oh, well, okay, this is a superhero movie, so we have to look at it a little differently. I don't know. When did we start doing that? I feel like that was never an issue with something like The Godfather. It's like, well, it's, a, it's not just mm. a good crime movie. It's a good regular right. movie. <laughs> um, hmm. Uh, I mean, in my lifetime, it's, it's you know, it's The Dark Knight. Um because I was probably too young to to understand that uh, with Burton's Batman, which which to me is the you know that's that's the modern blockbuster. I wasn't old enough to experience Star Wars becoming Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, it just already existed. Batman is the first memory I have of you know just the symbol and the 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 trailer that ends with Jack Nicholson and just that, that excitement that I, I recognized that adults. We're also excited for something that I thought was just meant for kids. I mean, the post Schumacher, I guess it's like you know, I sent you the uh, the little Watchmen sort of meme where it's <laughs> Doctor Manhattan, you know, living through all points in time, and it's you know, nineteen eighty nine, it's a darker and grittier Batman, you know, for adults, and two thousand five, same thing with Batman Begins, and now this, and so it's become its own subgenre. That's like it's Batman for real this time when I feel like for most of my lifetime, <laughs> this is just how Batman is. The Schumacher thing is actually the, the outlier because I, I didn't experience the 66 version. So I'm kind of waiting for like, uh, is the Snyder version as close as we got to like, no, it's the Schumacher version, but for real this time, <laughs> because I don't, when are they going to do that? I, I will say one thing. I like how, dynamic and pliable the character is that he can fit these different molds um, mm. as much as you know most people hate batman and robin it's like we still got to see a bizarre version of that character that's kind of mm-hmm. if not entertaining just interesting from a fact that this movie got made so i do appreciate that like you see all these different spider-man movies and unfortunately they're all kind of the same hey look it's all different white dudes that just <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> kind of look the same, have the same haircut, and I guess this new one's a little shorter, uh, but Andrew Garfield also has hair that's six feet tall on its own, so maybe that's, you know, who knows how tall he actually is. At least Batman, we get a lot of different ver- – we truly get different types of Batman, so – I do appreciate that. There's a fear, like when you're presenting it as like this is the ver- the real version, the true version yes. of it, because um, that becomes you know it's a it's a little laughable. But as far as the you know, I think that the DC films uh, have attempted that as a more of a branding exercise because they they can't really do what Marvel has successfully done as far as creating their own world where. Jesus Christ, like, you know, it's a character like Doctor Strange is like, this is the summer event of the season, Doctor Strange. And even as a comic book guy from like the 90s and mid 2000s, I would never have imagined a point where Doctor Strange is going to rule the summer at the movies. So that's, that's where we live. But yeah, DC has attempted to say, okay, like with Joker, the Walking Phoenix, the Oscar winning, (laughs) like now Joker is a, the Joker character is now a, a twice-over role to win Oscars. Uh, didn't work for 
Jared Leto and Suicide <laughs> no. Squad, but <laughs> Joker <laughs> and Vito hands. Corleone, the two characters. There you go. Wow. You, you brought up Godfather, so you know it. I guess it's apropos here. Um, there, there is a fear of maybe going too serious, and so that's one conversation I had with our uh, acquaintance Dave, who I host Off Screen Death with. I don't know if he put this on the record for our podcast, but coming out of theater. He was like, okay, wow. So watching this version, the Matt Reeves, the Batman, uh, it illuminates how silly the Nolan films were at times when back then no one would have said, these are silly Batman adventure stories. They would have said, oh, this is the grittiest it's ever been. My fear, of course, is like there is a limit to how far you can push it. It is a guy dressing up as in a bat costume. And it's something I somewhat miss about the Keaton version that you do – have his portrayal of it is that he is kind of the class dork and other people know he is the dork, but they have to like sort of walk on eggshells around him because he he will punch them in the face <laughs> if, they, if they step over. There's a little bit of that. I think with this Robert Pattinson version, I would say it shares more in the sensibilities as far as how Batman is portrayed with the Burton version where he doesn't know how to function in proper society, like what he's brought up to, to be with the silver spoon. Um, and what you're probably missing from me from the Nolan version and Batman animated series is a little of the, a little bit of the fake playboy, uh, bachelor Bruce Wayne that, I mean, it's strange to say for a three hour movie, they don't really have time for it. <laughs> like they well, don't really have time for, for that. I think the reason they don't have time for it is because the line between Bruce Wayne and Batman is completely blurred, if not shattered completely because this Bruce Wayne, because making him a recluse, I, I actually like that th- concept because he's like, I don't even want to deal with this life because it no longer makes sense to me. Uh, and so it's Batman the whole movie. He's in that costume. If you're a combat guy, this is the anti uh, Tobey Maguire and Spider Man, where his mask was always coming off. Oh yeah. This is Robert Pattinson. You may get every one of his moments without the cape and cowl uh, in the trailers. Like there's very little, like just Bruce Wayne. Which, to, to, in some regards, that's like what I always want as a comic fan. Like get this, get the actor's face off the screen. I want to see Batman. I want to see Spider Man. But he does a good job of emoting through the cowl. I think there is plenty. Like like the scene where. He kind of understands, like, oh, man, this is the end of the Batman. The Riddler found out who I am. I like how scared he was in that moment. And I think the direction also is quite good because he you know, he's trying to escape into the shadows in that moment. And then, like, I like that. There's there's plenty of emotion that's coming through the cowl, which is, which is rare. And because you see him in that mask for so long, it becomes normal. You know, you don't have someone like Clooney who's just like, God, this is a gorgeous man. Not that Pattinson isn't, but <laughs> if we're comparing George Clooney. He's not George Clooney. No, he's not. Come on now. Yeah. I'm like, even among the, the movie gods, there are tears. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you ain't got a shot, kid. Yeah, yeah. Not against George. So, and it was also wild to see Batman on a crime scene with a bunch of cops. Stuff that I've seen in the comics, stuff that I've seen in the animated series. How much... Did you enjoy that? Loved given it. your profession. Oh, I loved uh, it. And I love I the fact so. that even there's some cops who are like, what the hell is he doing here? Uh, and Gordon's like, well, he's got gloves on. I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed that stuff. So, yes, as uh, a comic book fan who's watched stuff like that, awesome. I mean, even seeing Catwoman be like, I think I'll go to Bloodhaven. I'm like, Bloodhaven, that's where Nightwing <laughs> is. You know, it's like, 
Uh, uh, so there are uh, Easter egg lines that I'm like, I'm very happy with. Can I tell you something on that note? Uh, you may have ruined the movie for my wife if you had been like sitting around us and you started like fist pumping the mention of Bloodhaven. She would have felt like, oh, this is something I shouldn't be enjoying. <laughs> but I thought of you coming out of it because, you know, the whole time I thought, yeah, this is all right. Like I didn't have like a hot take watching it. I like there were parts I enjoyed. There were other parts uh, specifically with uh, Paul Dano's Riddler riffing that sometimes I felt overstayed their welcome because I, and that's my own kind of baggage. I don't, I'm not like, even as a kid, I was never much of a villain guy. And so the, the less villains talk, the better it is for me. Like usually when they start blabbering on and that sort of James Bond fashion, like just patting themselves on the back, doing the, the touchdown celebration, like you were doing for Bloodhaven. Uh, I'm like, no, like, okay. Like a little restraint here, but I tried to keep my opinions like kind of close to the vest um, because even among friends, family, and my romantic partner uh, for life, I'm like, you have to listen to my podcast if you want to know what I thought. <laughs> you have to give me that download. I don't give this away for free, baby. Um, at least, you know, only online. But I just wanted to, without ruining the moment for her, I wanted, what did an outsider, someone that doesn't have skin in the game as far as these characters think? And she said for long stretches, this was her favorite Batman movie. But it, you know, she had the, she was like, it just kind of went on a little bit. She's like, yeah, I was like, I would get really into it. And then she would like almost be pulled out of it uh, a little bit. So it's like, there's almost a, uh, you know, how Soderbergh is famous for like offering to edit other people's movies. Like I'll edit Raiders of the Lost Ark or I'll do this. I feel like my wife is like, if Steven Soderbergh could tighten that up a little bit, <laughs> this is the best Batman that's ever been. I was surprised though. Cause she's, she, she really enjoyed what you're saying. Batman trying to function in society. Whereas in prior films, he's someone that has maybe a one-on-one -on -one relationship with commissioner Gordon or in the Snyderverse, other gods and superheroes, but otherwise he just like disappears into the shadows or he's just in the corner. And as soon as someone sees him, he punches him in the face or he like flies into the sky. She, she really dug seeing like, okay, so if you tried to put this guy in, in a quasi real world, how would other people react to him? And it is, it's, it's, they did manage to find surprisingly new ground with this century, almost century old character, at least in the movies. It's the first time we've had to see how do people react to God in a giant bat costume, basically superseding their authority and, uh, overstepping. And I, I enjoy that. Even the people that aren't combative with Batman, like even the guy that just basically says, uh, you know, can I get around you? I'm trying to do my job here. <laughs> yeah. I, I enjoyed seeing <laughs> the men low on the totem pole, just trying to like, you know, I'm trying to work this crime scene and I've got this giant freak glowering right over my shoulder. <laughs> it was really enjoyable. It was, and I was caught off guard by how much I enjoyed that. It's like, dude, you're in my crime scene photos. Like when I'm, when I want a crime scene, I tell the other cops and detectives, like, look, I don't want you in my crime scene photos because I'm going to be on court and be like, what the hell is that? I was like, I, I don't want one time. Uh, I'll admit this more than once. Like I've looked over my crime scene photos and I see myself reflected in like a car or like a mirror. And I'm like, damn it. I don't want to be in my crime scene photos. <laughs> but anyhow, yeah, I found that kind of stuff. Very web was, does not want to be submitted as evidence himself. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> One thing that you mentioned is finding new ground. There's only so much corruption and, a griminess that you can bring out of and expose Gotham to. So this is 
there is a lot of overlap here. And I, you know, there's been some people like, oh no, this is a complete new vision. It's like, yes and no. It's like there is new stuff about this film. And I like the the detective take. All the stuff that Batman doing the detective work, great. It almost felt like, oh, we got to go back to that fucking club. It's like, yes, because now you have more information or new information. I like that backtracking. And it made Gotham feel uh, very much alive. And, and just like, okay, now, the, now that we have this piece of the puzzle, now we can go. All that stuff is great. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you're like, oh, okay, so Falcone's behind it all. Yeah, that makes sense. He's one of the bad guys and eventually Batman has to just punch his way out of it. I like it. I mean, there is, there's an expectation of spectacle and I, you know, we're going to come back to this, but one thing we, we wanted to, to do for this episode was originally we were going to do like an, an all Batman spectacular. And so you, you mentioned, let's just go like, uh, not just with the, the Burton Schumacher, no one, like what led up to this. Let's go to Batman 66. And I think, you know, beyond my, probably distaste for having like uh, too much time with those versions of the character. Cause even as a kid, um, I, you know, I was decades removed from it, so it didn't really appeal to me. Um, <laughs> it also wasn't streaming anywhere. And I'm like, damn it, <laughs> this is not on HBO max. You're kidding me. So you called an audible and said, okay, fuck that. Let's honor what Matt Reeves is saying. And the build up to this and the, the sort of the marketing and promotion of the film that he looked to, uh, stuff like the conversation, which I, I, I really should have forced you to do that. Cause your distaste for the conversation. I'm like, Oh, the Batman will get you to talk about the conversation. <laughs> I see how it is. I can't, you got to entice the me. Can. Yeah. <laughs> mm hmm. And and Zodiac is one we, we settled on, which was only because we were calling an audible late in the game, and you and I both agreed that we love Zodiac so much. It We just need a gentle nudge to watch again. And my wife was like, all about it. That being said, uh, I didn't watch Zodiac in the proper way because, you know, it was midweek and, all, and we're old now. And so since we wanted to watch it together, uh, we watched it as like a three-part <laughs> TV miniseries. Like we did an hour a night. Um it did make me wonder, uh, would we have the same complaints about the Batman if we were watching it at home, if you were treating it more like a miniseries? Because I did have the thought that I thought maybe this film, I would like it more if it was, certainly if it was shorter, but also possibly if it was longer. Like, I don't know. It's like, because there were moments in the film, like when he's just driving around on his motorcycle and he's contemplating whether he is like an effective agent of change, I kind of just dig the vibe of it. I dig yeah. him and Catwoman riding together in this kind of quasi like romantic send off. I just enjoyed hanging in that world before someone has to like do an exposition drop. And I felt like that's where either find a shortcut to it or longer where you don't just have a Riddler video bomb or someone just saying, here's, here's the history of the Wayne family. And we're just gonna give it all to you real quick so we can move on to the next thing. That was my problem with it. But going back to the spectacle part, comparing this to something like Zodiac, I don't think it does Mr. Reeves any favor because he's he's not allowed to end his film like Zodiac, where David Fincher can just be like, shrug his shoulders and be like, who really knows? Our characters never know. They never know for sure. Now, granted, there are different aims with something like Zodiac, which doesn't have as a definitive ending, and something like Batman, where you can't just have him reach a dead end in the case and be like, I don't know, Paul Dano looks kind of weird. He probably did it, but <laughs> <laughs> unless he admits to it, <laughs> we're kind of at a dead end here. And that's going to be the hang-up with the superhero movie, is there's only so far into 
adult content aimed cinema that it can go before eventually it has to acknowledge it's a power fantasy that used to be aimed at young boys about putting on a cape and solving your problems quickly, but knowing who the defined bad guys are and putting them away. So you can dress it up as the Zodiac, as converse, the conversation. Uh, eventually, I guess in those versions, Gene Hackman or Jake Gyllenhaal has to like <laughs> beat someone down at the end, <laughs> surrounded by gunfire. So it's just it's just not an honest one to one. Like I see the stylistic influences, but I think you you want to catch yourself as far as you know. You can never put it on the same shelf as Zodiac or the Conversation. No. And I I don't think that's insulting the Batman. It's just they're different aims entirely. One thing though that did bug me was that. There wasn't so much influence, but almost rip-off level uh, scenes taken right out of Zodiac with the concept of the ciphers. And then Seven, that exact scene where they first enter John Doe's apartment, to the point where there's lines of dialogue. I'm like, this is straight out of Seven, where he's like, you can't just tell people anymore. You know, you have to force them to listen. I'm like, mm. I, I, I know influence, yeah. but yeah. this is moving a little past influence to the point where... I can't watch this without being like, this is exactly out of this other movie. So I wish... Would have been better for you if the Riddler, like, there was, like, you know, VHS and uh, DVD copies of Seven. Like, <laughs> where it's like this guy's watching it in rotation <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> or Batman, Batman, who's been so removed. And honestly, with Robert Pattinson, maybe Seven's ahead of his time. And so you have to have Commissioner Gordon be like, I remember that movie. You never saw it? And Batman immediately goes home in the back is <laughs> watching Seven. Because <laughs> there is a moment in this film, a great moment where the Penguin, played by uh, incredibly handsome Colin Farrell in a not-so-handsome state, <laughs> it's like looks at these two detectives and is like, you fucking idiots. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm being accosted because of a simple mistake. <laughs> you two need some culture in your lives. That's one thing. I was like, this Batman sucks at being Batman. This is great. Because again, it's early on. He's not quite the detective that we're used to fully formed. But I do. I, I, I did enjoy that aspect quite a bit as well. Because you mentioned the length, and it's hard not to mention the length, that was another problem I had with a lot of people being like, oh, I should have been cut down by 45 minutes. I'm like, 45, like, what 45 minutes do you want to cut out? Like, as an editor and storyteller, it's like, just let them tell the story they want. It's it's definitely easy to say I sat there for too long, or I felt like a, like the, the weight of it. But, yeah, you... You tell me specifically what? How do you, how would you assemble it? What what do you want to remove? Like that's because it, it does me no good to be like I I prefer a ninety minute movie, <laughs> but you're going to tell a very different story in ninety minutes as opposed to, exactly. to three hours. I was like two hours in, I had to pee. So the last hour of this film, I was like, damn it. So yeah, I felt it. Like I get it. But ultimately, it's like a movie can be as long as it wants to be. I don't mind. Like, I never hear people like, Godfather 2 is too long. I know I'm comparing two very different movies. But it's like, I, I never get that argument. Mr. Matt Reeves here on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I only want my films discussed with the absolute best yeah. <laughs> of the genre. Um, You got stuff like uh, Decalogue and Berlin Alexander Platt, where these are like, you know, technically you can break their, you know, they're looked at as you know, 10 hour movies or even something like Twin Peaks, the return that's considered a movie by a lot of people. It's like, come on. No. Yeah, ex exactly. Uh, or even a, a winter sleep is a film that I really love. It's like a four hour film. And I watched it in one sitting and I was like, this is a lot, 
but it's worth the journey. And if you don't want to watch a three-hour film or a three-hour Batman film or whatever, it's like, just don't. Like, I hate... I hate the people like, this film's going to be too long, and they come out of it and be like, yeah, it was too long. Like, what the fuck did you expect? So, not that I'm defending the runtime, but a story is as long as it needs to be. And I, You did have to pee. You really I had did. to pee. Your body was saying this is too long. <laughs> <laughs> I am greater than my baser urges. Can we talk about um, Mask of the Phantasm just, just briefly Yeah, let's here? please, because, of course. Okay, so if you're... Let's go to a completely different, <laughs> different aims. This was a film that was intended to be a home video, uh, animated release, uh, to go off of uh, basically an extended Batman the animated series episode. Uh, and then shockingly, uh, Warner Brothers is like, no, put it in theaters, which I'm guessing is because of the success of the, the Burton series up to that point and just Batman in general in the early nineties. They're like, release it on home video. We can we can we can sell it to them twice. <laughs> uh, now I did read that 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 caused them some problems because I, I think it altered the timeline of what they so it became like this incredibly rushed thing. Um, but the running time it is seventy eight minutes, and it is Batman being a detective trying to figure out it's tied into the origins of himself as a crime fighter. Um, I would say one point uh, where it succeeds over the batman is uh the romance a little hotter than i was somewhat dis i was disappointed and intrigued by robert pattinson's complete inability to function in society that he doesn't even know how to accept a kiss from an incredibly hot woman in a latex outfit but i kind of dug it i kind of because yet again it subverted my expectations of like oh batman is a, a god and everyone treats him as such uh, instead he's just, you know, he's the AV club member and, and suddenly the cool girl kind of has a crush on him and he doesn't know how to deal with it. But when you compare these two mediums, clearly they were never going to release a three hour animated film. That would, that <laughs> I would have loved it as a kid if Mask of the Phantasm was a double VHS cassette <laughs> box set like the Godfather <laughs> and my parents would have been appalled. But do you think there are failings in the brevity of that film as far as the, you know, the greatest detective that, because you, you're going to have cheats either way. You're going to have, you, you have to have some sort of red line in both forms. And I don't know if it's more glaring in an abbreviated, uh, version of events or in a longer version where it's like, well, you had the time. Why did you have to have like an info dump from the Riddler here? So did you think of that at all when you're watching these two, like in the span of uh, the same week? No, I, and I didn't, I don't mind, uh, the the brevity of Mask of the Phantasm, like that story was told in that amount of time because it, it it felt like a complete story, and with the Batman, that felt like a complete story. Both feel complete in their own way. Oh, and and again, unfortunately, I'm always searching for that movie that's going to dethrone Mask of the Phantasm, and still hasn't. Uh, no film has for me. One thing I liked about not even the Godfather, huh? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Mask of the Phantasm does one thing that I think none of the other Batman films have done, which is make Bruce Wayne relatable. That moment where he's like, I've moved on from my tragedy. Like, it doesn't hurt anymore. Like, is it okay that I love again? And the responsibility of what kind of, you know, self-imposed, I guess, uh, still crushes that aspect. And it's very tragic, and so I feel like that's much more relatable. We've never really had a truly relatable Bruce Wayne, but in those moments, it absolutely uh, comes through. 
that's where I, I strongly disagree with you because the Dark Knight Rises is the only relatable Bruce Wayne to me because he wants to be fucking done with it. It's like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, can the world, can you all not get your shit together? Do I have to still be a part of this? I'm rich. I'm tired. <laughs> but that's completely against, I think, what the character has, is. Like, it's maybe not in the comics, but he's like, there, oh, Frank Miller's like, there's only the war and there's only soldiers. <laughs> Where, uh, and Neil Gaiman did a great uh, story called Whatever Happened to the Cape Crusaders. Like, what's the end goal for Batman? And this was leading up to Final Crisis. So you probably at least have heard of it, if not read it, mm -hmm. where he's like, yep. well, the end of the story of Batman is like, he's going to die fighting because that's, that's what he does. That's the point of the Batman. And that's why like Mask of the Phantasm, like I liked it. And Dark Knight Rises, yes, to the point where he, he got somewhere. Though at the end of the Dark Knight, he was like, no, I'm going to be, I need to be that symbol because this is the hero Gotham deserves. Somewhere between Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, he's like... Boy, I am tired. <laughs> like, and I'm tired of being shit on by you people. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I said I would cover for crazy Harvey Dent, but you know it's kind of getting fucking old. I, you know, I, <laughs> I thought it'd be one of those things the internet would go crazy about for about a month, and it's been years, and you, <laughs> you guys <laughs> won't let it go. Um, I'm not going to compare um, <laughs> Batman to, to Mel Gibson, but there's a funny Mel Gibson clip where I think it was a movie called Edge of Darkness, where it was like. Uh, Mel's attempt to have like a wide theatrical release. Like it was just a throwaway, like, you know, bad cop movie or whatever. Uh, and it was like one of those like local markets. Like he was like, he had, <laughs> he had been lowered to that stature where he's appearing on like, I don't know, Chicago daily or whatever, a morning show. And the guy's like, so, I mean, you think people like be cool with you being back in movies? Cause you know, well, you know, Mel. <laughs> like, it's like being polite of not speaking yet, but also like wanting a reaction to Mel Gibson. And Mel's like, I think I made all the appropriate apologies. I mean, it's time to let it go, dude. Don't you think it's time to let it go? It's been like three years. <laughs> and I'm always amused because I'm like, wow, decades of success and people like applauding your very presence. And you can't take a few years of owning up to horrible shit that you've said about women other races yeah. and it's like it's must be great to be rich that it's like anything any sort of infraction you think that three years is enough i'm not comparing batman to mel gibson because batman is a hero <laughs> but it did amuse me because i thought if i was rich would i be any different or i'd be like jesus christ <laughs> you, <laughs> you people don't deserve me that's where I, I guess what I'm saying that the common thread is like, if you subvert my expectation of the character, that's, that's my favorite part of the Pattinson performance that he's not, he's not, he's not even like worldly enough. Like the way we're presented Batman is that he's coming as a, like the Nolan version. He's traveled the world to better himself, to come and save his hometown. And the Pattinson version has never left his hometown and doesn't seem to know how to function without it remaining the shithole that it is. So much so that there is, there's that give and take between him and Riddler where it's like both of them are trying to be agents of change. I guess one in a heroic fashion, one is the, the master villain, but they don't, neither one of them seem to want anything to change. They, they both want an excuse to just either beat some like thugs head into concrete or to shoot them. But notice at the end that the Riddler is attempting to shoot a black woman who is not revealed to be corrupt, who could be an agent of change, and yet they still want to attack her as well. And I feel like that's that's also that's kind of meta as far as like being a fan of superheroes and comics. 
they can there can never truly be an endpoint because you always want the world to be bad. You always want there to be problems for them to solve for that month and then move on to the next problem, which is why, Webb, The Dark Knight Rises is the best movie because it needs to be fucking over. It needs to end. <laughs> <laughs> Superheroes need to no longer have a place in this world. That's the end point. Well, I will say one thing about that concept being a little meta where you have all these different Riddlers, which I I, I loved actually that reveal because it made me rethink about the beginning of the film it's like it was probably not paul dano who was running around killing people it's probably one of his henchmen because this very immediately spoke to me in terms of like the the insurrection that occurred at the capitol because this is how these right-wing trolls did it they just got on their little network social networks and they became friends and had little followers and he had the follower of like 500 people or whatever the riddler in the movie and that's how they did it. It spoke to me in a very real way. And Nolan has said uh, in his Dark Knights, like, we threw a bunch of political stuff at the wall just to see what stuck. And I think that's irresponsible. I don't like that concept. I think you should have a specific vision. Be like, look, this is what we're kind of saying with this. I, I don't like the concept of, ah, we'll see whatever sticks. And if it makes sense to you, great. I think that's lazy. Here, I think that there was an effort to showcase how these horrible... Uh, uh, acts of terrorism are done and this is exactly for me what happened uh, because you've got these empowered individuals and for the most part they don't want for things to be better they just want outlet to to rage yes to... exactly did you see any yeah. of like kind of the mega right-wing stuff that we've seen in the past few years oh absolutely okay good i'm not the only oh, one absolutely good. i'm glad yeah. yeah no 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 um you know any any somewhat schlubby dorky looking white dude that's ranting at me <laughs> either, either you're you know you have a maga cap that's in the laundry and i don't see it yet but you know you want it fresh for your next rally or you host a movie podcast and i just cannot <laughs> cannot turn you off it's like why are you a white guy just going on these monologues for me i did feel like you know a little bit of that goes along like one big flaw i have with this version of you know the batman is um, they don't pull the Nolan card where like when the Joker kind of sets up his final scenario on the dark Knight, he is just left. He's left hanging on a thread, like literally laughing. And that's where he's kind of going to, he's going to always remain stagnant in that way that he has these ideas of the world and can't change. Like he can't, can't really be moved one way or the other. I felt like maybe you don't want to do the same thing as the dark Knight. Maybe there's a fear because that is, that is probably right now. I'd say the most popular like form of Batman is that particular film. It's probably that or Batman 89, but it, that may be like generational as far as like which one sticks in people's like sort of pop culture or psyche. But I, I had no more need for the Riddler. Like once, once it's revealed that there are many like-minded yeah. souls, I didn't need more Paul Dano rants. I felt like that. Oh, it's like, Oh, that's an interesting idea. So cutting back to him and Arkham and giggling and making those weird sounds, it's, it, I tell you what, it didn't, his performance did not compare well to, uh, the Zodiac killer or the alleged killer in Fincher's film. Yeah. Who is so effectively creepy in a grounded way, in a very pointed way, uh, without, changing his laughter and screaming and being like a howler monkey in the corner. It also made me appreciate Heath Ledger more. I'm like, why did I like Heath Ledger's 
uh, theatricality so much more than Paul Paul Dano here, and I think it's because they're I mean they're both just playing ideas, right? They're like you know the, uh, forms of anarchy. But I I don't know. I just come back to maybe it's just Paul Dano's face. It's just far too punchable for me. <laughs> I just it's like I don't want to see it on screen. Well, I will say the Dark Knight. I don't think Dark Knight is any better than the Batman or any of these other Bat films. But what the Dark Knight has is Heath Ledger and that mm. reprieve from all of the detective work and whatever else have you in that film is the charismatic performance and the gleefully like you're enjoying that level of terrorism in dark Knight because of that performance. Like I'm not saying you're never going to top it, but boy, it is stuck in everyone's mind. Like that's the new barometer. So whatever Paul Dano did is, is not going to live up to it. And with Paul Dano, uh, there was that backstory. Like he felt wronged by the city and by the Waynes and by all the, empty promises so you know there's a little bit of that well you know you can can look at it like yes they they, there is a point to it and maybe you can empathize with the character Uh, one of the reasons also that zodiac killer uh, john carroll lynch who i grew up watching as drew carey's uh uh, brother in the drew carey (laughs) show so it was like wild for me to see him and stuff like fargo and zodiac he has such an intimidating presence as well. He's a tall character, and the way Fincher shot him, especially at the end where Gyllenhaal finally goes there to look at him at the hardware store, and he just looks at him. It is hard to replicate that level of creepiness, and Paul Dano just doesn't quite have the stature to do it. And yes, once you re- uh, realize that it's not just him, it's his community that he's found, yes, that one character becomes less uh, less interesting, even though it put everything into motion. The film has a great look, obviously. I think we talked about that before it even came out. This doesn't look like all your standard kind of Marvel fare. It has a vision. So all that stuff is good. There is a level of been there, done that, a little bit too on the nose with its influences, and that's okay, I guess. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to whatever comes next because you know there will be a next. Uh, whatever happens, I hope Matt Reeves sticks around because I'd like to see him kind of complete whatever. Story. Oh, that's that's absolutely what I'm looking forward to most about this. Um, I'm I'm not. I actually hope they go anti uh, the Dark Knight. Uh, I feel like the way they leave this character is what they were attempting to do in the Snyderverse, where it's Batman is a force for change and someone to be looked up to instead of feared. Um, I you know it, they have that avenue to go the opposite way where he doesn't have to become the Dark Knight, and it was it was interesting to to see him in daylight to see him you know leading people out of the wreckage and and comforting uh, a child. Um, I think that's something that <laughs> I'm really that playing with fire here. That's something that the Snyderverse version may have gotten to. I, th- I think, um, but it's probably never been more effectively done than a prior. Uh, Batman appearance on Trilogy and Theory and uh, The New Frontier when Batman realizes that not only is he scaring like these cult yeah. members, he's also scaring the child that he's trying to save. You know, sometimes, you know, brevity. That's what I'm, I'm not saying Mask of the Phantasm is necessarily better. 
but I'm saying uh, the new frontier is <laughs> cool with that a DC animated film. <laughs> I, I loved. I, I think I was with everybody else who was a giant fan when you see in the first uh, teaser trailer. He's like, "I'm vengeance," and I'm like, "Yeah, he is." <laughs> and then the movie opens with the concept of Batman using the shadows as his allies, and I love that stuff. I even love the narration. I was like, "Holy shit, it's a comic book movie." Uh, and then it all kind of comes back to bite him in the ass at the end where one of the uh, Riddler's terrorist uh, henchmen is like, I'm vengeance. And, and in that moment, he's like, shit, that earlier thing that I thought was so cool ain't that cool, man. And so I like the fact uh, him leading people out of the wreckage with the flare, you know, great looking shot. Um, so I, I like where the bat, the Batman ultimately ends up and there is a bit of an arc here so i think what trilogy in theory is saying that this movie was all right <laughs> like which is right up there the conversation zodiac both god you know both godfathers combined can't hold batman's jock really can't <laughs> we all know it yeah and, and i love being the podcast where i think we both came to the conclusion at the end we're like oh Right, right on. Let's move on to the next one, <laughs> to the next film, whether it be a new Batman or, uh, you know, whatever else. Uh, um, Paul Thomas Anderson is doing. It's like it's it's funny to me that uh, all that, and it always is. It's like that anticipation and the build up is always much more exciting. Like I'm listening to the soundtrack all week, and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm ready for this. And ultimately, you come out of the movie, it's like, all right, that was good. And uh, you know, let's see what else is up next on the horizon. Well. There's also this thing, and I, I said it out of the theater, where because uh, some of the, some of the guys I was with were, you know, they were way more enthusiastic. Some were like, "eh, it's, it's no Dark Knight," like, you know, they weren't trying to be dismissive, but uh, I just kind of put it out there. I'm like, you know, maybe we're just like, you know, all similar age. Maybe we're just like too old. Like, you know, th eventually you have to realize that yes, as we've discussed, we've lived through many dark and gritty versions of Batman, where it's like the true Batman's the one true Batman every generation. But there's no problem with like, you know, if this is, you know, if a 12 year old sees this for the first time and missed out on the Dark Knight and if this is his entry point to the Batman becoming his favorite character, that's cool, too. That's right on. Like, you know, you can't expect something that is iconic to be completely reinvented to cater to where you are in your particular life. Every Now, that's where Star Wars fans have made a mistake. <laughs> they want it to cater to where they are in their 50s. But uh, I do not expect that of uh, the Batman. And uh, I don't know. It's just, you know, it's just a well-made, big-budget uh, sort of spectacle of sorts that has a, a lot of cool elements I didn't expect. And uh, Colin Farrell as a penguin. He made the penguin cool again, <laughs> if we want to go back to our Mac Brethren, <laughs> the anti-Danny DeVito. You know, one thing is, like, if we're too old for this, who is this movie for? Because I exited the theater, and one of the little kids, he, was, he couldn't have been more than, like, eight or nine. And he was like, I didn't get it. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> 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 it's like <laughs> Matt Reeves failed. <laughs> this movie for nobody. <laughs> Thank you.
What am I still doing this for? It's got to be one or the other. I can't have it both ways. I can't put myself on the line as long as there's someone waiting for me to come home. Miss Beaumont would be glad to know you feel that way, Master Bruce. She's holding on line one, sir. Master Bruce? Alfred, I can't. Not now. What shall I say, sir? I don't know. I just don't know! It doesn't mean I don't care anymore. I don't want to let you down, honest, but... But it just doesn't hurt so bad anymore. You can understand that, can't you? Look, I can give money to the city. They can hire more cops. Let someone else take the risk. But it's different now. Please. I need it to be different now. I know I made a promise. But I didn't see this coming. I didn't count on being happy.